0: I'll just use this one. Pastor Wall, can you get that book that I gave you a copy of today? I'm going to talk about that after a while. Take your Bible with me, everyone, this evening, and turn to 1 Corinthians 8. That's going to be my first reference. I have a number of references, many of them that I put in your printed outline tonight, as we talk about the Christian virtue of edification. This is a very important thing, because one of the primary purposes of the church is for the edification of the saint, for the edification of the Christian. Uh, Right out of the starting gate, easily defined edification means to build someone up or to strengthen them in their faith. But there's more to it than just that. And I also think that there's a danger sometimes that a church can devolve into something other than a place of edification. And I've had unfortunate opportunity to see where that has happened uh, in some churches, where rather than edify one another, they become involved in infighting over little issues, little picky things that don't really matter, and divided among one another. And one thing, the Apostle Paul warns us uh, in, I think it's Galatians, he says, if you bite and devour one another. Okay, if you're always nipping at each other's heels, maybe would be more of our nomenclature today. He said, if you bite and devour one another, take heed lest you be consumed one of another. Uh, It's very, very possible for Christian people to focus on things that are minuscule and then to argue over those things and ultimately bite and devour one another. So, uh, what we need to do then is focus on the area of edification. What does it mean to edify? So, look at your introduction. We'll get into this a little bit. Introduction An attitude of edification is a core virtue of Christianity. I put the word attitude there specifically because edification, while it is something that I do, It is also something thank you pastor wall it is also something that i am in other words if i'm an individual who is engaged in the building up of people rather than the tearing down of people that all comes from an attitude of heart you say pastor money i just happen to be a negative person well i have good news for you you can change by the power of god I've vested my whole life in the idea that people can fundamentally change, but they have to recognize their need for change, and how do we recognize it? We look at the mirror of the Word of God. You know, the the other day, I was with some people, and I'd let my hair grow kind of long, and really, it was just a matter of of being neglectful. I wasn't trying to start a hippie movement or anything. I had just gotten, I've just gotten, that one wasn't, that movement wasn't successful anyway. <laughs> I would just gotten, uh, just let kind of let it grow kind of long. And, and uh, someone said, someone said, Pastor, you know, your hair looks so much better when you keep it trimmed, when you keep it trimmed. And I had, you know, it grows slowly for those of you who still have hair. It grows slowly. And so you don't really notice it to change. And so after this person said this, I, I looked at it in the mirror. I really took a look at it. And I thought, you know, that person's right. It's just gotten too long. I actually cut it myself once. sense a debacle. And, uh, and it just was too long. And so I thought, you know, I'm going to do something about this. I need to make a change. And so I went to my barber. Now, by the way, I would just tell you the best barbers are Hispanic just keep that in mind that's over pastor money that sounded racial no that was a compliment okay grow up quit being a weakling that was a compliment the best the best barbers are hispanic barbers and so he's a he's a friend of mine he's a christian uh tremendous fundamental baptist guy and and i got my hair cut why because I think when you notice something, and so I took someone pointing it out to me, when you notice something, you should make a change, because the Bible is a mirror. And so when we look at the Bible, we lo- we're looking into the mirror, and we're saying, what about me needs to change? So um, the attitude that says, I am an edifier, a person who builds up rather than a person who tears down while edification is an action it springs from an attitude in my heart that if i practice it consistently can actually become part of my character so that's why i use it that way in that sentence christians do not function as islands unto themselves god gave us a community called the church in which we realize our realize our full potential for christ the isolated solitary Christian is an unhealthy anomaly when I was growing up we used to sing a little chorus some of you might know the chorus now it is Jesus and me for each tomorrow well I understand the thought of it but there's also the local church so God said it's not just you and him alone but he gave us an institution and I would remind you that this is God's church. This is not the people's church, this is not the pastor's church, this is God's church. It is part of God's plan. The New Testament plan was for a a place where believers would gather together, and one of the specific purposes is for the edification of the saints. So this is our community. Uh, The truth is, we need each other. But our interactions can either tend toward health or, in some cases, this is unfortunate, toward disease. The principle of mutual edification ensures that the church is a healthy place for every believer, regardless of his spiritual maturity. That last sentence is really important. It is not, listen carefully to me, the church is not a club of elitist Christians. Do you hear it? I, I'll, I'll repeat that. The church is not a club of elitist Christians. Now, there are some people who have taken that and gone to seed with it, okay? They've separated from this and separated from that and separated to the point where uh, there's only four, four or five in their group and we're the best Christians in the world, but we're not quite sure about you, okay? That, that is never a proper attitude for a church. A church is a place for believers in Christ who trust in Christ to come and to be edified regardless of the level of their spiritual growth. It's really important because I don't know if you've noticed around here, but we have people of every different level. How many of you have noticed that? We do. We do. Well, you say, Pastor Monty, you know, so, so-and-so is not as mature in the faith as I am. I, I hope they're, they don't rub off on me. They won't if you're as mature in the faith as you think you are okay and and the trouble the trouble with that thinking is every person who's ever informed me in my 35 years of ministry every person who's ever informed me that they are a very mature believer turns out to be one of the most immature childish whiny babies that i've ever met in church okay so don't proclaim yourself a mature believer if you are one we will notice but um, the church is for everyone okay he was a christian it's for it's a christian institution you're born again now everybody's welcome to come and attend and listen to preaching okay but it's a christian institution but everyone in this room is on a different level spiritually we're all on a journey but we're at different parts of that journey so when someone comes into our church what they should expect is to be built up now you say pastor money that means all they're going to hear is positive no no you'd be wrong about that There are some times when things that are negative have to be dealt with, but edification, the goal of it is always to build and not destroy. It is always to help and not to hurt. So let's get in this uh, definition. Edification defined, many of you would know this, simply stated to edify Means to build up. Okay, the the word actually comes from a Greek word that means to build a house. The the word for house is co- uh, couched within that Greek word. So it, it means to build up. It means to encourage. More broadly, it can mean to heal or restore. Those are all things that the church does. So we build up people. Sometimes people have a relapse or a problem, and what do we do? We restore those people. That's all what the church is for: an uh, edification. It always has the goal of building and improving, never of destroying. But again, there's an attitude of heart that that is important there. The word edify comes from Greek word meaning to build a house. Edifying is construction, not demolition. Okay, really important. Now look at the next sentence. People who pride themselves on their ability to confront in an obnoxious way are not builders, they are destroyers, Tone means something. I'm thinking about a small church in a very distant state that had a very small church. It had one particular prominent member who, if you attended the church even as a guest more than two or three Sundays, you would get confronted by this member about uh, what he saw to be your uh, problems in your life or your lack of, of being where you needed to be. And the man was very prideful about how he could confront people in a very bold way and in essence drive people away. And the pastor at that church told me this. He said, over the years, I've watched that man drive dozens of people away from the church. Now, now look at me, look at me. If I were the pastor, the first person I would get rid of is that guy. If I had to run him out on a rail. Because frankly, that's not the purpose of the church. It's no one's, it's no one's job to push someone away. Well, think about our church for a minute. The doors are open Everyone comes through the doors of this church with a need. Have you ever thought about that? So let me tell you this. Lonely people come through the doors of this church with the hopes that they might make a friend. Troubled people come through the doors of this church with the hope that they might find answers. Sorrowful people come through the doors of this church with the hope that they might sense the presence of God and find comfort Um, People come for different reasons. Well, Pastor Matty, the proper reason is blah, blah, blah. You you just be quiet. The proper reason is whatever need in their heart leads them through these doors. That's part of our responsibility to meet that need and to do so with love and compassion. Well, you know, so-and-so, Pastor Matty, they're just not exactly like us. I'm probably glad they're not. (laughs) Don't you like a little variety, folks? I enjoy that. I enjoy one thing, one thing uh, about certain groups, everything becomes an echo chamber. I, I, I don't like an echo chamber. I like hearing some different perspectives. We'll get that, more of that in a minute. So tone means something. So when I'm edifying someone, even if I have to address something on a negative basis, I do it the proper way. Having rebuked the church at Corinth, and that is the whole general burden of the book of 1 Corinthians. Having rebuked the church at Corinth, Paul assures them his words were written for edification and not for destruction, okay? That's in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 8. First and 2 Corinthians demonstrate, now notice the words, thoughtful balance in response to problems in the church. Paul's writings were not a knee-jerk reaction, okay? And though the writing of 1 Corinthians was a very strong letter to a very troubled church, they were a divided church. The first three or four chapters issued that. They were bringing each other uh, before the courts and lawsuits. They, had, they were tolerating immorality, very serious incestual relationship they were tolerating in their midst. They were struggling over arguing about different things, 8, 9, and 10, issues of Christian liberty. Uh, they were having problems with spiritual gifts. They were misusing them. If you attended the church at Corinth, you'd probably say, wow, this church is a mess, okay? But in the first chapter, Paul took great pains in the first part of the first chapter to declare that the church at Corinth is a legitimate and gifted church. It just had problems. Now look at me. Every church has problems. Every, guaranteed, because this is, this is a divine and a human institution. Every church has problems. So what did Paul do? In 1 Corinthians, he wrote that letter to the church as a corrective, to correct the problems. And 2 Corinthians, which is, by the way, the most difficult um, Greek composition in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians, he wrote as a way to say, hey, you did what I've asked you to do, and a letter to encourage them. So there was both involved in regard to that. But it wasn't something that was knee-jerk, and he didn't kick the church out of the club or separate from the church or tell everybody they ought to leave. Um, Point three, edifying is fundamentally building something up. Now, this is where it's going to get really practical. And at the end of my little talk tonight, I'm going to recommend a phenomenal book that I think is going to help some of you who are readers, but I'll get there in a moment. Fundamentally, edifying is to build something up. Okay, now, um, I'm including everyone in this, men and women, we have a mixed group. But there's something about men that want that a man, a real man, wants to build something in his life. They, a, a real man wants to build something. If you're if you're a real man and, and you get in a, an employment situation where you're absolutely under the thumb of a micromanager. And you can't build something, you'll often get discouraged with that career as a man because you want to build something. Remember, the word edify comes from the word that means to build a house. Okay, a house is intended to be a permanent fixture where it is built. So, edifying fundamentally means that I want to build something that is significant and permanent in my life. Whether you're a man or a woman, both should desire to have built something significant and permanent in their life. That's the meaning of the word. Uh, So, what are some examples of this? My marriage. My marriage. I want to build that. That's hard, but I want to build my marriage. I want it to be strong. My family my kids i want to invest adequately in my kids to build something so that when, when i look back over the years and by the way how many are parents in here how many parents have made mistakes every hand that went up the first time should have gone up the second time okay if it if it didn't your kids are probably on skid row right now okay uh, we all made mistakes there's no such thing as perfect parenting but it, it should be our desire edification meaning to build up at the end of the day I can look back and see my kids are Christians at the end of the day I can look back and say you know I didn't do everything right I'd be the first person to tell you I didn't do everything right but then end of the day I can say I love my kids and they love me and they love God okay that's really an important thing I, I want to build that what does it take edifying takes effort is what I'm saying I just listed a few things here uh, in regard to this, this matter of, of building, okay? What about a career? What about a career? Um, well, Pastor Mani, uh, how does that connect to edification? If edification means building, and it certainly does building up, and I want to edify someone else, I have an impetus to build a career. That should be something very important that that, that men especially would focus on that. Uh, These are things that speak of quality and permanence. If a man's brand of edifying has not, if a man's brand of edifying has left a trail of destruction, he is never, never edified at all. People who edify scripturally build things of lasting value. They do not destroy. Did everybody hear what I'm saying? really important, really important. So um, if I'm to be an edifier, and I am scripturally, and we'll get into that in a moment, if I'm to do that, then the fruit of that, the result of that is I can look back on my life, now listen carefully, and I can say, I won so-and-so to the Lord. I can look back on my life and I can say, and I'm talking from a preacher's standpoint, okay? I'm talking from a preacher's standpoint. You would have a different perspective based on what you do, but I'm talking from my standpoint. I should be able to look back and I should be able to say, hey, there's a couple of young men that are in Christian ministry who grew up under my ministry hey, there's somebody that I loved and helped them get out of an addiction. I, I should be able to do that. I should be able to point to a church or, or some group of people that would remember me that I had helped. Why? Because I did something that was permanently impactful and that deals with edification. If I, if I look back over my whole Christian life and I struggle to find anyone I want to the Lord and anyone that I really influenced and anything that I really built and I, I look around and there's nothing really there, that's really problematic. Okay, then then I need to take stock and I need to ask myself Did I really learn principles of reaching reaching someone with a point of edification? Okay, edification assumes and requires a platform point C now. What do I mean by that? Um, some people say well, Pastor am I'm getting excited I just want to be that guy that builds up everybody and I'm just gonna jump in on that. Well, well hold on It's not listen to me always what you say it's the relationships you build here's something i've learned about our current culture our current culture is more interested in a relationship and then listening the old culture world war ii culture the guys were used to listening to the general bark out orders and they did what he said and they came back with that mentality by the way built some great churches based on that mentality our culture is a little bit different. People want to have a relationship with me, listen to this, before I presume to speak into their lives. And that's, you say, well, what does that mean? That means that if I'm going to be an edifier, I have to not just tell people what I think, but I have to be relational with those people. So the stage for Christian edification is the local church. We're gathered here. Everybody came here with a particular need. The platform for education is meaningful relationships within the church. Uh, edification is more than a kind compliment or "you look nice today." It involves words and actions within the context of relationship that build another person in his faith. Now, listen carefully. Listen carefully. The most powerful influence and, and a pastor's a pastor's tool is influence the most powerful influence today that i can exert is not preaching a sermon to six thousand people i'm scheduled to preach to about that many people in a few weeks it's it's not it's not preaching in a huge auditorium the most powerful influence i can exert as an individual christian listen carefully to what i'm saying don't misunderstand the preaching of the word of god has great power but as an individual christian okay the most powerful influence i can exert comes from having a relationship with people it comes when i'm relatable it comes when there's a closeness because the platform of relationship allows me to speak into a person's life. Without that platform, sometimes my efforts might sound hollow, and I'll talk about more about that in a moment. So, but I want to notice something. There are three connections I want to make. Edification has a love connection. First Corinthians 8.1, Paul is beginning a three-chapter argument about Christian liberty, and I'm not going to get into all that, but he says, now it's touching the things offered unto idols. This was meat in the meat market, but it had been uh, sacrificed to an idol in a pagan temple. He said, we know that we have all knowledge. We, we know. We know. Every sacrifice that pagan God, there's only one God. It's Jehovah God. We know all that. He says, we know we have all knowledge, but then notice what he says. Knowledge puffeth up. The word puffeth up means to make prideful. Knowledge can make someone prideful, but charity or love edifieth. Now, do you notice the connection there between love and edification? It's possible to know the truth and hurt others with the wrong application of your knowledge. Did you know that? I've I've known some very mean-spirited people who hurt other people, not because what they were saying wasn't correct, but because it wasn't coupled with love. In 1 Corinthians 8, Paul warns us that knowledge can make a person very prideful, very puffed up, but love is the thing that builds up. It is better to be a person who builds up than a person who himself is puffed up. Uh, it, it really goes to pride. The issue is pride. Look at point number two. Knowledge alone promotes pride. Pride damages everything it touches. While knowing, uh, knowing something is good, love edifies. Knowledge without genuine love becomes a stumbling block to others. Now, having said that, love properly informed with knowledge is the powerful tool. What I'm saying is you have principles, you have uh, convictions, you have Bible beliefs, but when you give them to someone, you give them to them with an air of kindness, love, and compassion, because it is love that builds them up. Uh, uh, Just to illustrate, okay, I can do something— I, I'm pretty formidable with the Bible. It's the only thing I'm good at. I'm pretty formidable with the Bible, okay? If you get into a big Bible discussion with me, I can beat you over the head with the Bible, okay? I, I can. If it, become, if it gets that violent, I can physically, because I'm a big man, I can physically beat you over the head with the Bible, okay? Uh, I, and, uh, Pastor, Marty, you, you're, you're going to win the argument. Yes, maybe. And you could lose the heart of the person, There's a huge, this this is problematic. Well, bless God, I know that I'm right, and the rest of them are wrong, and they're all going to hell. You know, with your attitude, you're pushing them that way, even if you're right. It's really important to understand something. By the way, we live in a morally and biblically illiterate culture completely illiterate, okay? The last thing we need to do is push people away with a spirit of, uh, that is hateful, even if we take the right position. You can take the right position and have the wrong attitude. Ephesians 4, verses 15 and 16. I've truncated the verse slightly in my quotation. Paul said, but speaking the truth in love, we're talking about the connection of edification to love, but speaking the truth in love maketh increase of the body, that is the church, unto the edifying of itself in love. Okay? What happens? I edify from a heart of genuine love and compassion. And I love what John Maxwell, do you all remember John Maxwell? He was kind of a leadership Christian leadership guru. Uh, John Maxwell famously said, "No one cares how much you know until they know how much you care." That statement, made many years ago by John Maxwell, uh, that he, he, he gave a, a lecture. I think the lecture is called Seven, I think it's called Seven Things I Know About People." Do you remember that? Does anyone remember that? You could look it up online. It's it's phenomenal, phenomenal good lecture. But in that lecture he emphasizes that point okay if i show genuine care for someone in their hurt or enough care for that person to build a long-term relationship with them then when i have to deal with them directly i have a platform for doing so if someone doesn't think i care they're not going to listen if someone thinks i'm just corralling them into thinking the way that i think they're not going to listen but if i genuinely care about someone and they know it that's a great platform for edification and you cannot do without love proverbs 27 6 echoes that sentiment faithful are the wounds of a friend but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful okay faithful are the wounds of the friend what does that mean if i know someone is my friend and I know they have my best interest at heart, and and that is because they have built a trusting, real friendship relationship with me. I'm, I'm not just talking about they say hi to me at church, okay? If someone's my friend, and I know they have my best interest at heart, do you know what? They always have my ear. Always. This is true of every person in this room. Who do you trust? You trust the people who have proven themselves to you. And, and you'll listen to that person. You know, you, you, uh, you're not going to listen to the person that you just met five minutes ago. You're not going to listen to a casual acquaintance usually. Who are you going to listen to? You're going to listen to someone who has invested the time in a relationship with you. That is the most powerful thing. I, I fully believe in investing time individual, uh, individually in relationships. So edification, though, there's a church connection, okay? The edification, biblical edification happens best within the God-given structure of the local church. Ephesians 4, and you should turn over there with me if you would quickly. Ephesians chapter 4. I want you to see a couple things because we'll be here for in this passage for just a moment. Ephesians chapter 4, when we talk about edification ephesians chapter 4 look with me at verse 11 ephesians 4 verse number 11 the bible says and he gave some apostles that's the early church uh, age some prophets some uh, evangelists and some pastors and teachers now look why did he god give these gifts to the church throughout the ages why did he do that for the perfecting of the saints, the word perfecting means to mature, for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, so that the saints can do the work of the ministry. Look at this, for the edifying of the body of Christ, for the building up of the body of Christ. First, uh, pardon me, Ephesians 4 teaches that edification of the church is a primary duty of pastors. That's one of my duties. How do I edify the church? I build the church up through the preaching of the word of God. I build the church up through relationships. I build the church up through examples. All those things are true. But the purpose of building the church up is this, so that the saints can engage in the work of the ministry. What is the work of the ministry? Edifying one another. It's not just enough for the pastor to edify. The plan of God is, for, if that were the case, we could all just watch online and never speak to each other, okay? But the, 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 the whole plan of God is that the church would be a place where people can engage in meaningful Christian relationships with that, they, that build them up, that help them, that connect them uh, to the, the broader body of Christ, the local church in that area. Uh, pastors train Christians to function as edifiers. While spiritual gifts are important, the main goal is that believers excel to the edifying of the church. So 1 Corinthians paul was rebuking the corinthian church for their misuse of gifts what did they do one of the misuses was they got into the tongues thing now tongues is a legitimate new testament gift it has it has ceased i'll talk about that in a different lesson for hours sometime. but back then it was a legitimate thing what was tongues the ability of a person who did not speak a foreign language a known foreign language to speak that foreign language okay if i started speaking german right now um, and I don't know German, if I spoke German right now and someone in the audience knew German, they'd be like, man, Pastor Monty, you're speaking German, and I'd be yabbling away in German, that hey, you're speaking German, you would interpret that would be tongues, okay? Tongues is not gibberish. Never in the Bible. Show me one place, it's not one place in the Bible. It's not time, my bow tie, and time, my bow tie. It's not, none of that stuff, okay? That's not tongues. Tongues is recognizable foreign language. Um, but the church of Corinth got fascinated by this, because honestly wouldn't it be cool wouldn't it be neat if, if maybe there was a, a, a contingent of swahili people came into the church and all of a sudden i start yakking away in swahili and they're understanding and you're like what's wrong with him is the old man having a stroke and then and then uh, someone in the swahili group says no no he's speaking our language and wouldn't that be amazing that would be an that's a miracle that would be an amazing thing the corinthian church got really involved in that they got tied up in that and everybody wanted to be the guy who had the gift. You know why? It was showy. It was public. It demonstrated maybe that they felt they were special somehow. And the Apostle Paul said, No. He said, These spiritual gifts, they're fine. They're they're good. They're good in their own place. But he said, The most important thing is that you excel to the edifying of the church. Teaching, preaching, singing is all vain if it fails the edification test. What is the best gift that a believer can have? Is to come to the church and build up another person now listen listen to what i'm about to say most people don't do that most people come to church with the idea i want to get something out of it they do not come with the idea i want to contribute something to it uh, except for the offering they, they 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 come i've got to get something out of it wouldn't it change everything If every one of us, when we came to church, conscientiously said, I'm going to make sure I speak to so-and-so because I want to make sure they're doing well. I want to have a relationship with so-and-so. I want to make sure I'm having a friend. Pastor Ronnie, I've just got so many burdens. There's no way I could possibly, you know, worry about somebody else. So that's the problem. That's why you're a nervous wreck. Because you're only focused on yourself. In your own minuscule little world. Your world is a very tiny world. My world, if I allow it, can become a really tiny world. It can become a world of high pressure. But if all of a sudden I just for five minutes set my problems aside, do you know what? They're still gonna be there. <laughs> They're still gonna be there. And I look at somebody else and I say, I'm going to purposely speak to that person. I'm gonna purposely encourage. I'm going to, I'm going to purposely build a relationship. Can I get radical with you? Can I get radical with you? I'm going to purpose to take that person out to lunch this week. I'm going to purpose to make a friend for the goal, not just of having a friend, but that's a great goal, but for the goal of mutually edifying and building someone up. If we always came to church with our eyes wide open for that, it would change our whole attitude about church. You about Pastor Lon, you know, I just, I just wish I had a ministry. <laughs> Look at me. You do. You do. Can you, would you look around here? Look around here. Look around the auditorium. See all these people? This is your ministry. Oh, Pastor Money, I want a a pulpit where I can proclaim. Okay, well, maybe the Lord will call you to that. But in the meantime, look around. This is your ministry. And if you come with that thinking in mind, that I'm here to edify and build someone else up, it'll, it'll transform your experience at church, and it'll lift your burdens in the meantime. Okay, so there's a church connection. There's also, and this is very important, I touched on it a moment ago, the relationship connection. Romans 15, 2, let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. In context, the verse addresses our carefully, careful handling of Christian liberty. More broadly, it can apply to our seeking to edify everyone in our lives by carefully weighing words and actions. And by the way, you're not just a Christian in this building. Okay, really, really important. You're a Christian in your neighborhood. At least your neighbors should know you're a Christian. You should know their names. Do you hear what I just said? Ah, we've lived next to them for 10 years and never met them. Are you the Christian? That's your fault. Okay, you wanna talk about, we've got some people in this church, they're, they're amazing people when it comes to outreach. You know what they do? Every week they bring new people. Some of our neighbors, some of our friends, they'll call me on the phone, they'll say, Pastor, name, I've got a friend coming, he doesn't know the Lord as Savior. I like a heads up on those things so I can make sure I get the gospel and a message, you know. And, and phenomenal. And they're friends with these people and they're speaking into this person's life because they have a relationship with that person. So so important. So edification, there's a relationship connection. 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together. Note the word together, not just by yourself, reading a self-help book. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. Together and one another. The church should be a community of beneficial and positive relationships that help us in our Christian life okay? It's not a place to come together for gossip. It's not a place to come to hear the latest scuttlebutt. It's not a place to come and raise the latest controversy. The church is a place where I, with purpose in my heart, want to build someone else up. When people, do, when people, look at point C, fail to develop long-lasting, meaningful, and positive relationships, they are prone to cynicism, criticism, and selfishly censurious words and actions, none of which edify. Do you know why? It's all about me, me, me. It's all about me. They come to church and they rate the special music on a scale of 1 to 10 in their mind. Then the sermon comes along and they, oh, Pastor Monty, I'd give that a five on a generous day. And they rate that. And then they criticize the color of the carpet or they criticize something that had, and then they become cynical. Then they become mad. Then they become centurious. And do you know what? In the whole process, they never did anything to love somebody else. You know why? It's all about themselves. You you know what? the, The worst thing that can happen in church is, and by the way, this is why churches die. I have an opportunity to speak frequently in different places and parts of the country. I was sharing this with um, the dean of Pensacola Seminary the other day. We were on the phone talking about a class I'm doing. And uh, I said, you know, I said, um, I said we're, in a, we're in a bad way. I said, because our churches, and I'm, I'm an old folk, okay, because I was offered to join that club. What is that thing? AARP, yeah. I was offered to join that. I've refused on matters of pride and principle, okay? Someone else said it was very liberal and there's a conservative one. But anyway, uh, uh, our churches have become, in many cases, an old folks home, of people who have become very insulated and only about themselves. And we're 10 years out from having a number of our churches, little ones across the country, fold. You mark my words. You mark, by the way, by the way, if you want to pastor a church, I can put you in the driver's seat. Do you know why? They call looking for preachers. Now, they're not huge churches. They're, not, they're, they're maybe in rural places or small towns. They're starving for pastors today. Now, anyone who's called of God to preach, there's a church for you. I promise you that. Well, Pastor, I'm not going to move to Timbuktu. Well, then you're, you're not really called of God, okay? You're just playing with it, okay? But there's a church, there's a place. My, my burden is this. When the church becomes so self-focused that it, everything has to be what I want it to be, all of a sudden, we lose the idea of edification. We're not building up someone else because we're selfishly concerned for ourselves. We wanna be very careful of that attitude. Now, let me take a moment to do this. Give you a book recommendation. I don't like the colors. It's too colorful on the front of the book. Okay, I'll just say that right out the get-go. But David Brooks, uh, he is a New York Times bestselling author, Um, he wrote a book, he's written several books, but this is an excellent book, How to Know a Person, okay, and if you want, write that down, for those of you who are readers, I'm reading through it, I'm mostly through it right now, I bought it two days ago and have almost devoured this book, it's tremendous. Now listen carefully, it is not a Christian book, though he does use the Bible, He has familiarity with Scripture clearly in there, and he uses the Bible in a positive sense. I I don't know his theological background, because this is not a book about theology, but this is a book that is written by a man who uh, spent his career as a journalist interviewing people and then went into a deep-dive study of how to connect with people. Okay, what are our people skills? And in the book, he explains people skills that you can develop. He starts out, it's very encouraging, he starts out by explaining that as a child, he was an introvert, extremely shy as a child, and then as a young person, he was a nerd, and he was very awkward, and he was very, he struggled with social things, and over time he learned things, and he put that together in this book. Pastor, why would you recommend a book like this? Because a moment ago, I said your ability to build someone up is based largely on how relational you can be with that person. And if you're serious about the responsibility of edifying, you'll say to yourself, I'm going to do something that can improve my people skills. Now, I think I have fairly strong people skills. As I read this book, I kind of got beat up by this book as I read it. I kind of got beat up by it. Because it's very easy when you have a big personality to run roughshod over people. And I saw myself in this book. I saw myself, oh boy, you know, sometimes I run roughshod over people. So I wanna highly recommend the book. By my making this recommendation, it is not a wholesale endorsement of this book, okay? This is not doctrine. I need to say that in in a solid Bible-believing church. You need to understand this is just something practical that'll really help you. By the way, it'll help your marriage. If in your marriage you've been talking past each other this will really help. The chapter on perspective alone is worth the price of the book. If you've been struggling with, um, with a relationship with your kids, let me tell you something. This book will convict you, and it will help you. So I, I gave a couple points and ideas I drew, I drew from the book. I've written that the last section. Let me do this in a couple minutes. Um, the, some of the ideas of the book are these people desire to be seen, But much of the time, we are focused on ourselves. Genuinely seeing people requires the work of relationships and thoughtful observation. And that's where the work comes in. But by the way, can I tell you, that's where the reward comes in. I'm not talking about you swooped in to rescue someone in a bad situation. I'm all about that. But I'm talking about this. You built a long-term relationship that has lasted into the years or possible decades So that person always leans upon you and you always lean upon them. That is what a relationship is. Certainly it should be that way with our kids and with our spouse, but also with other people. And he talks about desiring to be seen. People are either, I love this, because I like it when when an author puts people into one category or the other. I like that, because I like to pick between one or two and say, that's me. Uh, He says, people are either illuminators or diminishers based on how they see others. How you see a person determines the influence you leave upon them. That's all I'll say about that. You need to read the book. Illuminators see other people the way Jesus sees them. And he actually talks about... Um, individuals are made in the image of God, and that when Christ looks at a person, He's looking at a person for whom He died. That's in the pages of this book. Okay, so there's some biblical truth to the book as well. Um, but we look at them as valuable because they're valuable in the eyes of God. We it demonstrate tenderness, receptivity, active curiosity towards others, and this is clearly displayed in our eyes. Now that uh, that whole idea interested me. Because your eyes are the window to your soul. Is that in the Bible? Yes, it is. Jesus said the light of the body is the eye. And what is in the eye is a communication of the soul. And every person in this room has had that moment when you look into the eyes of another person and you can see love and sincerity. You can see genuine compassion Every person in this room has had that moment when you look into someone's eyes and you see anger or disgust or disdain. Part of seeing a person, he describes in the book, is how you see them and what they see in you. Um, look at point four. In order to know a person, one must accompany him. That's a great part of the book. What does it mean to accompany? Again, it's it's not just to swoop in with advice. Okay, that's appropriate sometimes, but. what we're talking about is edification. It's more than swooping in with advice. In order to know a person, one must accompany him through life. The idea is active involvement together. By the way, it doesn't mean that I play the big role all the time. Okay, when we have a a singer, they'll have a piano accompaniment, okay, and the accompanist, she will accompany to to keep the singer (laughs) on tune, and to keep them on pitch, of course, but then to add to it, but the person who's singing is primary. Does everybody follow what I'm saying? But they're doing this together. They're walking through or they're working through a song together. A relationship involves accompanying, company, and there, there are four things in that, and he lists them in his book in great, much greater detail. Patience. People don't open up instantly, neither should you, by the way. Great relationships take time and investment. Did you know that? Well, Pastor Money, if so-and-so would just open up to me, maybe they would if they had a relationship with you. I need my wife to open up to me. Maybe she would if you didn't ignore her or talk past her. I need my husband to open up. Maybe he would if he didn't feel judged and censored and criticized and torn down. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. Well, pa- Pastor Money, I want to help so-and-so. Maybe you could if you actually had a relationship with them. Again, the people that I've helped the most significantly in life are the people that I have a very long and deep relationship with. And it goes up and it goes down and all those things. He he lists this, I thought this was interesting, playfulness. People are more receptive, participating in leisure activities. Men especially bond through activities, sports, projects, fishing. Do you know how you get to know a person? You do not get to know a person with your hind end parked in a pew you don't you know where you get to know them if you play athletics you at least get to know their language <laughs> if you play athletics okay if you hunt with them if you camp with them okay that's how that you, you want to know somebody know them outside of a formal setting okay I think that's super important. You're not just going to know them because you said hi to them, passing them in the lobby of church. You know them because you, in, you engage with them. Why do major corporations take people on these retreats, their, their leaders on these retreats, and they, they go through rope courses? Have you ever heard of that, where they go through these rope courses? And, and why do they do all that? They call it a team-building activity. Why is that? Because in a mutually enjoyable leisure activity, barriers begin to fall, and that is where relationships can be built. You don't build relationships with—I don't—listen, listen, listen, I'll make this statement. I'm not building a relationship with you by talking to you tonight, okay? I'm not. You're listening to me talk, and I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm called of God. But a relationship comes when we get to know each other. I had lunch with someone today, and we had a really good, wonderful lunch, conversation— tremendous. Uh, and, and it was the beginning, the foundation of what could be a relationship, what could be a friendship. Okay, that is, that is completely possible for every Christian in this room. But you have, to, you have to drop your guard a little bit. Another point that he makes is you have to be other-centered. Be willing to be along for the ride of another person's life, and they will be along for the ride with you. Meet someone else's needs, and yours will be met in the process. But you have to think about the other person. By the way, it's not... how I mean, you know, many. Let me be real clear here about something. You never look at another human being as a project. You hear what I said? Never. Well, that's my latest project. No. You look at them as a soul for whom Christ died. A person who is infinitely valuable. Listen to me. A person who cannot be easily dismissed because God won't easily dismiss him. And then, and then you can build a, a relationship off that because you're other-centered. And this has happened every single time. Every day of my life, I have 10,000 things I feel like on the tip of my mind. And I have phone calls and texts and burdens and responsibilities, things I need to do and things I neglect. And how about all those things I procrastinate about? Yes, I've got all of those. Things. And they're screaming at me all day long. Oh, I just don't have time to do this with so-and-so. I don't have time for that. And sometimes, you know, because you're so, you're so burdened. But then you invest that time in someone else, and this has happened to me time and time again, and all of a sudden, John, sometimes when we go to lunch, and all of a sudden, we'll sit there at the Mexican restaurant and just laugh and talk. And by the way, John never has an agenda. If you ask me to go to lunch with you, don't you dare have an agenda. I'm not interested in your, your agenda, absolutely not. I hate agendas, okay? I just like fellowship. And you know what, we'll have lunch together, and I don't care how busy I was that day, I walk away from the experience with, with, um, with joy in my heart, probably heartburn too, but joy in my heart. I walk away from the experience having been lifted up because he's an edifier. He doesn't, he doesn't come with some big long list of the, ne- the next thing Pastor Monty needs to do, okay? I appreciate that about you, John. You're a good friend, and I appreciate it very much. And so, so my point is um, other-centeredness. And then point D, presence, presence, Okay. People who accompany others are people who show up. They show up. When? Weddings, funerals, of course, crisis, time of grief. Good or bad, they are there. And they are always there. And you know what they'll do? If they don't see you for a while, they're liable to check up on you just to make sure you're okay. So I will finish with this remark. I, I exercise at the gym. And there's a group of early bird people that get there and we all know each other and, and, uh, and have fun. Some folks from this church, uh, most of them not. And we have fun together. And uh, there's an older lady who has taken it upon herself to be the, um, the den mother, maybe, of the whole gym. I don't know what you would call her. Uh, but when she writes down everybody's birthday, and then when it's their birthday, she secretly passes a card around to all the rest of us and we sign it. Everyone knows she does this. It's not a secret, but it's cute because she always does it kind of undercover, you know. And we sign the card and then, then she gives them a card. But you know what happens? She's probably, I, I would guess, in her late 70s. If, if I miss a week because of traveling, do you know what she does? She texts me. Do you know why? To make sure I'm Okay to make sure I'm okay. Just making sure you're okay. Just making sure nothing bad happened to you. Now, now, now let, me, let me tell you something. There's a person who understands the principle of relationship and of being present. Even though it's just, all it is is a high in the gym and she gives me the, the Epoch Times newspaper and we talk about Donald Trump for five minutes, okay? Even though it's just that. Th- this person has a presence. We as born-again Christians should have that in people's lives. Now, I understand there's 700 people in this church. I you, you can't be that for everybody, but let me tell you what you can, you can for somebody. You can for somebody. Oh, but money. I just don't have any friends. You know why? Your fault. Let I me mean, just be blunt about that. Your fault. You've gotta reach out. You've gotta love somebody. You need to buy this book, okay? If you, if you want help with relationships, every relationship in life, this'll be a help to you. Buy it and read it and put it into practice. And he, he, took, he took years of what I always thought in the back of my mind, and he coalesced it into one book that is, is salient and powerful. But what is the whole point of all this? Edify one another as also ye do. Paul wrote that to the church at Thessalonica. You, you're good at edifying, church. But you know what? We can always be better by being purposeful, by being targeted, and listen to me, by building relationships. Edification doesn't happen the second you say hi to somebody. It happens over the long run, and it is valuable, it is permanent, it is lasting, and then, and then, at the end of your life, and we've all had ups and downs, and goods and bads, and everything else, but at the end of your life, you can say, wow, there's some people that I loved and they loved me. There's some people that I was able to help. There's something I was able to do. There's something I was able to build using the word edification. There at the, I come to the end of my days and I can say, you know, I'm satisfied with how God used me because I was willing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for a word in Scripture. Edify, to build up. Lord, help us to understand that that is our primary purpose. And Father, help us to understand how important it is to do so from a platform of relationship. I can speak into someone's life when they know that I love them, that I'm loyal to them, that I'm committed to them. Father, I pray that we would be willing to do the hard work of building platforms while we edify and build up other folks. Help us, Lord, to shore up some things, maybe with the wife and kids and other relationships that aren't quite what they should be. But then, Lord, beyond the sphere of our tiny little circle, help us, Lord, to look for someone that just needs to be loved, that needs a word of encouragement, that needs a relationship that's real. Father, what a ministry, what a phenomenal ministry we can have if we give ourselves to the work of edification. Use these thoughts, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, and you're dismissed.